You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. There we go. All right. I couldn't see it. The Lord didn't give me the ability to see my ears. And so um, if you have your Bibles, you can up to up to the book of Hebrews. Um, I see some new faces. Um, let me introduce myself. My name is Tyler Armstrong. I'm the community pastor here at 12th Street, and it's nice to meet you, nice to see you, and thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Um, praise God that we get to gather together. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who pastors in California, and they still aren't gathering. And um, because of all the different rules and different laws and different things like that in that state. And so I'm very thankful that we serve in a state and live in a state that allows us to freely gather as long as we, you know, stay safe. And so praise God that we have been that way. So today we are talking about Sabbath. It just so happens that the Lord and his providence is getting me to preach about the two things that I am not good at. Silence and solitude and resting. And so um, just so funny how the Lord works in his ways. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 is where we're going to be starting at this morning. This is what the word of the Lord says. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now, when we say the word Sabbath, we literally mean rest. That is what the word means when it is translated. And let me tell you all something. I am not good at resting, okay? It is just not something I am good at. If I had an action figure from probably I was like starting at the age of 16 to 27, maybe 26, um, I would have my action figure say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. All right, you've probably heard that saying, right? I'll sleep when I'm dead, yes. That was my mantra, that was like my motto, and y'all, I lived by it to the point where it was like my life creed. I'll sleep when I'm dead. And what I meant by that was, I ain't got time to sleep. And in all reality, I struggle from insomnia, I don't sleep well anyway. Um, When I finally do fall asleep, you can ask my wife, I'm out like a light. She's usually like kicking me 10 minutes past my alarm saying, get up, get up, get up. And so, but I don't go to sleep well. To be quite frankly, I don't like to sleep, because when I sleep, there's nothing getting done, if I'm being honest. Y'all been there? All right? Any of y'all like like that? Most of some of y'all are like, I have no idea what this dude's talking about. Like, my spiritual gift is napping, all right? Like, that is what y'all are looking at me like. But some of y'all can relate to me, and ultimately, every one of us can relate, because ultimately, we're not good good at resting as Americans, but none of us in this room are good at resting. My dad used to tell me when I would pull all-nighters for papers and all-nighters for school, son, you're burning the candle at both ends. And simply meaning, hey, listen, you're not going to have any wax to burn if you keep doing this. You're going to burn out. And how many of y'all have like heard that word? Like That's like a popular word in today's culture, burnout. Literally books preventing burnout and all these things. And it's so funny, I used to use... Jesus has an excuse because, like, Jesus is our Sabbath, and we're going to talk about what that means today. And I'll be like, well, Jesus is our Sabbath, so I don't got to rest. Ha, 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 ha. And then what happened was, was I realized, really in the last two to three years, that this is a direct fly in the face of God. And in fact, I believe it's sinful when we don't rest. 
when we don't practice this. I was listening to one pastor. He, th- this particular Sunday, he was leaving for like a six to eight month sabbatical, taking a break away from ministry for six to eight months. And I mean, it was heart-wrenching to hear this pastor say, I mean, seriously, I mean, it, I just, it, it gives me chills. I do not feel connected to God. I do not feel connected to God. Man from his pulpit saying this. And he was telling a story about how at the beginning of his ministry, he was working seven days a week. And this elderly member comes to him in his congregation and says, Pastor, why are you working seven days a week? And he looks at her and he said, I got all sanctified on her. And I looked at this lady and I was like, because ma'am, the devil don't take no days off. And he said that woman looked at him with the most serious look in her eyes. And she said, Jesus took naps and the, why is the devil your role model? If you can't say amen, you can still at least say ouch, right? <laughs> like, I mean, like that, that, that is like, I heard that and y'all like just this like wave of conviction came over me. Because y'all like, let's just be honest, none of us in this room are good at resting. Even on the days we're supposed to be resting, what are we doing? Errands running all over the place stuff has to be done so let's talk about what rest looks like in the scriptures the sabbath was the seventh day this was modeled after the pattern that god himself set in genesis it is a day of rest and when i say rest i mean real rest when you think sabbath think doing nothing in the presence of the lord it's an act of worship, like doing nothing. Like when was the last day that you just sat there and did nothing? Like no TV, no reading, no phones, no social media. You just sat there and did nothing. I'd be willing to bet most of us can't even remember a day like that. But doesn't it just sound good? Doesn't it just sound good? So now in the Jewish calendar, Sabbath is the day Saturday, but Christians, we typically, historically, have celebrated Sabbath on Sunday. Why the swap? Well, because Jesus was resurrected on what day? Sunday, all right? Sunday, that is the day that he resurrected. I remember I was at the pharmacy one day working when I was like 16, 17 years old, and this guy came in and he was telling me how like Constantine changed it to Sunday, and it was like this like big conspiracy theory to like get it off the true day, and I'm like, that's not what the Bible says, all right? So the Bible shows us that the church gathered on what day? The first day of the week. The church sought out to be gathered on that day because that was the day that the Lord was resurrected and we have historically called it the Lord's Day. But Paul writes in Romans 14, one person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. And he continues on and says, the one who eats, eats in the honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. In this passage in Romans 14, I would encourage you to go read it in its full context later. He is talking about these people in this passage that esteem one day as better than the other. And what we've gathered from scholarly study is he's talking about the Sabbath. 
There's these people in the church that have said, we're going to continue to practice the Sabbath. Saturday is our day. And then there's these people that come in, they're like, well, no, all days are alike. We don't have to practice the Sabbath. And it's comparing these two people because ultimately, brothers and sisters, here's the truth, okay? We are not required by the New Testament to practice the Sabbath. We are not required by the New Testament to practice the Sabbath. Ultimately, it doesn't have to be Sunday or Saturday. And quite frankly, Sundays are not my Sabbath day, if I'm being honest with you. I'm up here at 7.15, making sure everything's running right. Then we're running rampant, running, 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 running. And then we get home at noon just to see our kids. And then, uh, then I'm most of the time back up here at some point that afternoon. Sundays are not a good Sabbath day for the Armstrong household. Now, for some of you, Sunday is your Sabbath day. Praise God. Some of us don't practice the Sabbath. We are not bound by the Sabbath laws of the Old Testament. We are under the law of Christ, as Galatians tells us. But, but, this is what I want to challenge you with this morning. What if we lived out this in principle? What if we lived like Jesus did and actually rested? I think I pointed this out just a few weeks ago when I preached on silence and solitude. How many times in the scriptures does Jesus, when there's this huge crowd of people, just walk away? Like, I mean, y'all, I can't even fathom doing that. Seeing a huge line of people and just going, you know what? I need to go rest. It's time to take a break. Jesus did that so many times throughout the Gospels, just to go rest. So what if we lived out this principle in our modern world? What if in the life of hustle and bustle and get more and get rich quick, we in a spirit of rest and worship and ultimately resistance, you know, stick it to the man, took a day and just rested, relaxed, and sat in the presence of God. What if we did that? What would that look like? Today, I want to communicate to you, brothers and sisters, Jesus desires us to rest in him. So there's three truths about the Sabbath that we can gather from Scripture. First off, God set the precedent, Genesis 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, what does it mean that God rested? Does that mean he threw up his Eno hammock and went and chilled and just took a nap and said, all right, I'm done? No. All right, that's a very deistic mindset of God that God would just go in and go, all right, created the world. Now, hands off, y'all have a good time. I'm just up here chilling. All right, one of my favorite stories in the scriptures is when Elijah is going against the prophets of Baal and he's at Baal and they're up there throwing, they're, or that they're up there like arguing and they're throwing it down on top of this mountain. And like the prophets of Baal, they're sitting there just like throwing, like they're like cutting themselves, trying to make Baal respond. And Elijah's like, he must be taking a nap. Because Elijah knew our God is not sleeping. Our God does not sleep. So what does it mean that he rested then? What does it mean? Simply put, he was done creating. At the end of the sixth day when he had created mankind, he said, this is very good. And then he was done creating. He was done creating. And if you think about it, like, we're not just sitting here, like, just watching new creations pop up from the Lord, right? I mean, like, don't think about it, you know? I mean, we see things come and go and biological processes and things like that. But it's not like we're just sitting there walking and then all of a sudden out of the dust comes this new species, right? That doesn't happen, all right? He's done creating. 
So this is resting is done to his being completely finished with his creative work. But he's setting a precedent for us. Because if we go to Exodus 20, we see that God's law commands Sabbath rest as worship. All right, this is the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, your daughter, nor your your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God set the precedent and it became law. And how serious was this law? I mean, y'all just listen to this, okay? Numbers 15, 32 through 35. While the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Okay, so they're out there in the wilderness, and they look out, and Billy Bob is out there picking up sticks. On what day? Sabbath day. Listen to what they do. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not been made clear what they should be done to him. And the congregation, and the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. Yikes. What in the world? And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, a few of you are sitting there going, that's a little harsh, right? But here's the thing. God takes his law seriously. And when we do not, wrath comes. That's what we need to realize. This is not just about picking up sticks. This is about a man being disobedient to the Father. He was being disobedient in sin, and so God takes his command seriously, and disobedience is not tolerated. So if you did something on the Sabbath, guess what? Wrath. Death. Now, Jesus comes, and he fulfills the law, which includes the Sabbath. He fulfills the law, which includes Sabbath. Colossians 2, 16 through 17. Therefore, let no one pass man pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ Jesus. Matthew 5. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not a yoda, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus came to fulfill the Sabbath on our behalf, fulfill this righteous requirement, fulfill the law, so that we are not under the law anymore. So that we, in our sinfulness, can be righteous because He absorbed the wrath of God on the cross. Because ultimately, Jesus desires us to rest in Him. He desires us to look at Him as our rest and from our work and from our weariness. And then the fourth truth is this. The Sabbath principle is a good principle to live by and follow, though. This is something that is good to live by and follow. Is it a requirement? Are you going to be cast out of this church if I walk out and I go by your house and you are cutting grass on a Sunday? 
I'll never forget the first time I ever had to cut grass on a Sunday. I thought my mom was going to like just find me, hunt me down, and pull into my driveway and pull me off that lawnmower. Like that was like the biggest sin in my house was like cutting grass on a Sunday. No, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because of Jesus. Jesus has satisfied the righteous command. But I would encourage you, don't cut grass on a Sunday if you don't have to. It's a good principle to live by. It's something to live by and follow. And we see it in the life of Jesus. Jesus did these things. And so if we're going to practice the way of Jesus and do the things that Jesus did, brothers and sisters, why not rest like Jesus rested? Why not take naps like Jesus took naps? Think how many times in the scripture, like storms crowing crazy on the boat. Where's Jesus at? Asleep on the bottom of the boat. Disciples are out on the water. Guess where Jesus is at? In the Father's presence, alone with him resting. How many times he's just in a huge crowd of people and he's just walking and he just walks away and rests? Brothers and sisters, you can do the same thing. But here's the thing. You don't. All right? You simply, you don't. You don't do these things. So what is your response to these truths? Typically, here's your response. First, you do not follow God's precedence because ultimately you want control of your life. I want control of my life. That's the reason I don't sleep. I like having control. I want to be in control. Listen to this. This is from 1965. A Senate subcommittee predicted that Americans would work 14-hour work weeks by the year 2000. Like, how many of y'all have seen, like, 14-hour work weeks? I don't think I've seen one of those since I was 15 years old. I'm not even kidding. When I started working. 14-hour work weeks by the year 2000. John Maynard Keynes, 1928, British economist, famous for the idea of government intervention in the economy. So thank you, brother. Um, wrote that technological advancement would bring the work week down to 15 hours a week within 100 years. So we still got seven years to get there. All right. 2028 is coming. Let's make 15-hour work weeks a thing. All right. $15 minimum wage, make 15-hour work weeks happen. All right. Here we go. All right. Let's go. But what has happened since then? All right, so all this technological advancement, all these things have happened to the point where, like, now, I mean, even COVID has shown, like, kind of, like, you don't got to go to the office. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't got to go to the office. Like, people are working from home at a higher rate than ever now. I went and ate lunch with one of our church members last week, and he said he hasn't been to his office since, like, June. Like, that's crazy to me. But what has happened, our work has increased. I would be willing to bet the majority of us in this room have worked way more than 40 hours a week many times in our life. Some of you are walking in this today from a 40-plus hour work week. Am I right? You're doing those things. You're, you're working more than what is required of you. And it's molded into the culture that this is just a part of who we are now, 40-plus hour work weeks. I'll never forget when COVID hit, like March, I was thinking, I was like, I mean, I, I kind of like silly thought, hey, you know what, this means that, you know, my work week's going to decrease. No. I think from March to June, it was like 60 to 80 hour work weeks. I was more busy when, when, when the world shut down than when it wasn't. Now, a lot of that was necessity, I believe. But ultimately, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that the, the drive... And I mean, we even call it overtime hours, and what do you get paid, time and a half? 
I think a lot of us, the drive of that is the desire to get more. The desire to get more money, more status, that promotion, or simply, let's just be honest, it's just a pure addiction to work. It's just a pure addiction to work. We want more. But the ultimate root, the ultimate root, like when we like go down and do like deep heart, spiritual, like heart surgery, it goes back to Genesis 3. What does the serpent tell Eve? You can be like God. And when you believe that you can be like God, that means that you think that you can control your life and that you can work until it's absolutely just done and you can just squeeze all these hours out. And ultimately, it goes back to the curse on Adam because what's the curse on Adam? Anybody remember? Work. Not just any work. Work was in the garden, all right? It wasn't like Adam was just in there chilling, just naming animals. He was working. But a cursed work the ground will not yield its fruit is what adam is told and what happens is is we work to reverse the curse we work to reverse the curse we feel like the more that we work the more people will see us and approve us the more that our wife will love us the more that our kids will love us because we'll get them these nice things and all these things all these things compound into this idea that we are trying to reverse the curse of eden but brothers and sisters jesus has already overcame the curse on the cross why on earth can we not rest in that because of our sinfulness The curse has been defeated by Jesus. And now while we still yield these ugly sinful fruits here on this earth, there will become a day where we will not work any longer. But ultimately, all of this is working so that we can try to save ourselves. And you cannot do that in your sinfulness. You cannot save yourself. So after you do not follow God's precedent because you won't control life, when you control your life, you eventually exhaust, or as I mentioned earlier, you burn out. All right, you burn the candle at both ends, you're done. There's no more to do. There's this Washington Post writer, Bridget Salute. I read, read this article a few days ago. She dove into why Americans feel so overwhelmed. How many of y'all have ever used that word? I am so overwhelmed right now. I literally said that yesterday. Like, I'm not even kidding about that exact sentence. I am so overwhelmed right now. And this is the title of the article that she wrote in response to Keene's work on the 15-hour work week. Listen to this quote. It just, it, oh, it just gives me chills. She begins overwhelmed by trying to measure her own leisure or lack thereof. She enlists the help of John Robinson, a sociologist at the University of Maryland, who's an expert on time use. Robinson instructs Schlute to keep a time diary and provides her with this handy, neat Excel template. I still don't know how Excel works. I've taken like so many Excel classes and I cannot work it. All right, praise God for Luke Parker and Olivia Rager. Like, I'm like, I don't even know how this thing works. So I'll put that formula in, I'll figure it out later, okay? So if anybody wants to teach me, you can do that. But Schlute finds that her time is too unruly to fit the template's neat little rectangles. So instead, she decides to record her days in little black notebooks. One afternoon, just listen to this. Just, man, I've been here. But she is eating her lunch at her desk while waiting on the hold of the pharmacy that supplies her son's life-giving medicine and searching the web on how to figure out how to attain a death certificate for her brother-in-law who has died in China. She calls Robinson to ask him how to classify this sort of activity. Robinson tells her just to keep filling in her diary and he will sort things out. 
When she presented him with a pile of black notebooks, however, he balked at the idea. They're impossible to read, much less analyze. What's this word even mean, he asked, pointing to an entry from 2 a.m. on September 16th. Panic, she tells him. Wake in a panic. It's not supposed to be that way. But how many of y'all have ever woke up on a Saturday running around trying to find your clothes because you think you're late for work? Me? I think we've all been there. It's not supposed to be this way. Another article in response to Keynes, Elizabeth Colbert from the New Yorker, says it is to say the least disappointing that things haven't turned out that way, that inequality has grown, that rest is scarce, that even the rich complain of being overwhelmed. And yet so much of what we do collectively and individually suggests that we still believe that more wealth is the answer. Reexamining this belief would probably be a good idea. That is, if anyone had the time for it, None of us feel like we have the time anymore, right? We constantly say, I wish there were more time in the day. I wish there were more hours in the day. I wish I had more time, more time, more time. I can't tell you how many times I've said that. And now, at this point, being tired, forward, slash, busy is just a part of our personalities. Like, I can't tell you How many times I've ever heard this sentence? Hey, brother, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. I'm well-rested and life is slow. You ever heard that? I would be willing to bet today. Now, today, if I would have never preached a sermon, if I was to walk down the hall and I would say, hey, how are you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? Oh, I'm just as busy as ever. I I, I hear that 99% of the time. I also hear this, tired man, just tired, working all the time. It's just a part of who we are at this point. It's just a part of our personality, and it just drives us. But why? What if there's a better way to be human, brothers and sisters? What if there's a better way forward? Jesus says this in Mark 2, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. If you underline in your Bible, underline that sentence right there. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Man was not made to run at the schedule of a modern day. You were made to rest. And many of you are sitting there going, Tyler, I don't even know what that would look like in my life right now. I don't even know how to do that. Those issues, you've got to create that margin. You have to for the sake of your soul. Find that margin in your life so that you can rest. There's this quote, and it says that there, the man who lives and practices the Sabbath lives all seven days differently. The man who rests lives all seven days differently. So what does Jesus desire for us? I mentioned it earlier, but just listen to his heart in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. I've been reading this verse over and over and over, probably to the point where y'all are tired of me saying it. But just listen to the words of Jesus speaking to you this morning. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is looking at us this morning saying, come to me, all you who work and are burdened and just feel all of this stress upon your back. And it says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Why? Because he is desiring us to rest in him. He's desiring us to rest in him and him alone. What does that rest look like? That means fully trusting in him that he's going to supply for every need in your life. That means that looking at the sparrows and realizing that they are taken care of and not worrying about tomorrow for today has enough trouble of his own and not being anxious and going to the Lord and everything and truly resting. It's okay to turn your phone off. I'm literally telling that to myself. Tyler, it's okay to turn your phone off. It's okay to turn the TV off. It's okay to just tune out. Jesus did it and the world didn't fall apart. I promise you, your world is not going to fall apart. Brothers and sisters, He desires us to rest in Him. All of our work, all of our striving, all of this trying to earn approval from man, it always ends in hell. But when we realize that Jesus has accomplished the work for us, we realize that we can rest in Him and that He ultimately is our Sabbath rest, that He is our eternal rest. Brothers and sisters, that's where eternity lies. We should rest physically and spiritually as Jesus did. Jesus did these things. Are we required to do it for our salvation? No. But in Christ, all we need is in Him. And in principle, it is good to simply rest. Like I mentioned, Jesus did it. Find a day, take some time and rest. There's no reason why we should come back from our vacations more tired than when we left for them. There's no reason that we should be sitting there at home on Saturday running in the grind, not stopping. Brothers and sisters, just stop and realize this is good for your soul. It is okay if the laundry piles up. It is okay if the floors don't get swept. It is okay for that project to wait. It is okay for those things to happen. It is perfect and good for you to enjoy time with your family and rest with them. Jesus did it. Why don't we? Because ultimately Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Matthew chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat and the Pharisees saw it. All right. And you may be wondering why the Pharisees like saw everything Jesus did. They literally were following him around. But this is like Jewish tradition. They followed rabbis. And so just imagine being followed around 24-7 by the people who hate you the most and who eventually conspire to kill you. Not a very enjoyable life, all right? Jesus is sitting here walking on the Sabbath. His disciples are hungry, and they're like, oh, free food. And they start picking this grain. And the Pharisees are like, throw the flag, all right, Sabbath violation. Here we go. 15-yard penalty, first down, all right? He says, look at, look at your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. They're like, they're breaking the rules, Jesus. Bunch of tattletales. Verse 3, and Jesus said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat for, for those who were with him, but only for the priests. He's not just those David out. Like he's like, you know, David, David was hungry. 
He went and got some bread out of the temple. David broke the rules. Why aren't you calling him out? That's what essentially he's saying. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. He's talking about himself. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, quoting the Old Testament, you would have not condemned the guiltless. Essentially saying, these men are doing nothing wrong. Why? He answers them, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying, I'm in control. They're not breaking any rules. Why? Because Jesus was their Sabbath rest. Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf, on their behalf, so we can rest in Jesus. Our work for salvation has ended because He has finished. It was our sin that held Him there until it was accomplished. And when He said, it is finished, it is done, He meant it. You don't have to work anymore. Jesus has earned it. So let's read Hebrews 4, as I read earlier, in light of these truths. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. What is this same sort of disobedience that he's referencing? He's referencing Hebrews 3.11, which is a callback to Psalm 95.11, which is a callback to the people of the wilderness. I love how the Bible does that. Psalm 95, 11, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. A rebellious people. A people who were trying to earn salvation on their own. A people who were disobedient. God said, they shall not enter my rest. Now what about us? We are that rebellious people. We are that people who have not entered into the rest of God. We try to do all these things on our own. Hebrews chapter 4. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. What is that Sabbath rest? His name is Jesus. He remains. And he is there. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Let us therefore strive to be with Jesus so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Brothers and sisters, enter into God's rest. Enter into God's rest. Let us strive to realize that we cannot earn this great salvation no matter how much work we do. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and rest in this great salvation. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you. We are blessed by you. Father, I pray that we will be a people of rest. That we will heed your invitation to come to you. All of us who have burdens. And that you will ultimately give us rest. Jesus, I pray that there's someone inside this room right now that doesn't know you, that doesn't know your son. I pray that they will come to him and that they will realize all their striving is in vain outside of Christ and that Jesus has accomplished this work on their behalf. Father, I pray that we will be a people of much grace and be a people of much rest and that we will rest in you first and foremost. Now I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. 
Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helps you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to make apprentices of Jesus by being a family for families.